0: Here in a Philadelphia neighborhood called Kensington, underneath the elevated train tracks along Kensington Avenue, they arrive every afternoon to learn the basics of the sweet science. Hands up, let's go, let's go, let's go, time. The man at the helm is 58 year old Mark Buddy Osborne. 10 seconds. At first glance, it looks like just another boxing gym, but every afternoon, one vital difference. Heeding the call, everyone files into the large room next door that doubles as a church, where their trainer has now transformed into another identity, Pastor Buddy. And for tonight,
1: Lord, as I open up into the book of Nehemiah, I ask, Lord, that you would move me aside
0: and allow your truth to go forth. Are you a community organizer? Are you a boxing trainer? Are you an educator? Or are you a minister for Christ? or are you all
1: those things? I don't want to be defined by a title, but I will say this to you. The word missionary is basically servant. A servant. I'm a pastor. You're a fighting pastor. I won't want to go up against George Foreman, (laughs) But, but yes, a fighting pastor. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, I will fight for the kids.
0: Rock Ministries was founded by Buddy Osborne back in 2004, offering these kids free boxing instruction provided they sit still for a dose of scripture.
1: You're going to have people in your life that are going to say you can't do it. Can I tell you what God says? Yes, you can do. All right. Okay. Wow. A lot of things have changed since that list. <laughs> oh, it's about a year ago. That's good. So how you guys doing? Beautiful! What a night, huh? What a night! Good to see you too, brother, and sisters. I want to thank Bob. You know, just for just allowing me. You know, the just to, it's an honor to be here. The last time I was here, I shared it with somebody, so I must be he must be you know he's giving me some props. He's allowed me to do it my, on my own tonight, you know. But but uh, I'm so grateful for Bob. Yeah. I look at Bob like a brother, like a big brother, not that he's bigger than me, but but I, over the years in, in ministry, he's been, he's been a faithful friend to me, and, and I would call him, he don't even realize what I'm saying, but I'm asking him covert questions, and he's giving me good answers, you know, so I just want to thank Bob, and thank you guys, because you have been supporting us for years, and we're grateful for it. Let me ask you, is there anybody here for the first time? Anybody here for the first time? Wow, great, man. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Beautiful. Well, let's get started. Father, we're grateful for this evening. Thank you so much for this amazing facility. Thank you, Lord, for this privilege to stand before uh, these folks this evening, Lord. I'm grateful for it. I'm honored by it. And, uh, Lord, I just pray that you would just move me aside and have your way with, with all of us, Lord. Let us learn something from you. Let us glean something from your word, Lord. Have your way. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. For the last 16 years of my life, I've been called to serve in what has been recognized as the epicenter uh, of the open drug market in the state of Pennsylvania, top five in the country. I don't brag about that. I just wanna set set the stage here, so to speak. The purest heroin can be purchased on many of the blocks in Kensington. The dope that's sold is affordable and available any time of the day. Men, women, teens, young adults from every county in the state of Pennsylvania, and we've also seen many from around the country come to cop their drugs in Kensington. It's heart-wrenching, and it's downright disturbing to see this firsthand. Sons and daughters just caught up children, moms and dads. The outward effect of what happens to a person who succumbs to drugs just to deal with the issues of life is overwhelming. Over the last few years, the servants at Rock Ministries has resuscitated countless number of people from overdosing on drugs, bringing their lives Back simply by administering this thing, this uh, uh, drug called Narcan. There's times that we walk outside our building and we'll step over a person that's completely blue in the face, on the verge of breathing their last breath, eternity awaiting them, and bam, they're revived through a human effort simply by using this drug, tr- drug called. Narcan, which blocks the opioids from killing them and sending them to their final resting place. A mom, a dad, a son, a daughter. You see, whenever I see or hear about an overdose reversal, the first thing that comes to my mind is that person has another chance at receiving Jesus Christ as their Savior. One of the most rewarding things about serving on the front lines in Rock Ministries in Kensington is when we see a sold-out, committed drug addict, alcoholic, prostitute, or homeless person receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior and then have their names written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Powerful. One of the greatest opportunities we have as a body of believers, and that's you and I together, no matter where we're at, is to be encouraged as we carry out the great commission in life, which is to speak and to make disciples of Christ, for Christ. 66 books in the Bible, 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament. Men and women of faith living out their lives trusting and counting on the simplistic message of hope that's offered in the gospel. We know that the Apostle Paul is a tremendous example of carrying out what Matthew wrote in, in Matthew twenty eight nineteen. He says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, Paul the Apostle carried out those instructions on a daily basis folks, for the last 30 years of his life. He never wavered in his commitment to preach the word of God, to teach the people, anyone who had a near to listen or to be an encourager to all who have labored on the mission field to bring souls to Christ. So please open your Bible to a portion of scripture where Paul pens By way of the Holy Spirit, words for each of us here this evening. I always title my messages, so if I had to put a title on it, it would be, Is Your Name Written in the Lamb's Book of Life? It's my desire to, uh, to speak to one person here tonight. Maybe there's one person here this evening who has never encountered a personal relationship with Jesus, I'm speaking to you. I'm speaking to you because at some point in your life, all of us, every one of us, at some point, is going to have to either accept Christ as Lord of your life or reject him. That's a choice that God gives us. And I'm so grateful 23 years ago, it'll be 24 years I gave my life to Christ, 8.30 at night, on a telephone. Little did I know that I would be ministering in one of the poorest congressional districts in America, in Kensington, sharing the gospel, seeing thousands and thousands of kids come to know who Christ is. I'm grateful for that, but I could have never done it if I wasn't filled and I'm not filled with the Holy Spirit. And so Paul, in in Philippians 4, we're going to start in verse 3, Paul has been placed in a Roman prison, chained to a guard, a prison guard, for 24-7. But it didn't stop him from offering his counsel and advice to the faithful workers, tirelessly spreading the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Paul writes this. He says, And I urge you also, true believers... I, I, excuse me, I, I urge you also, true companions, help these women who labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. And so, as I read this portion of scripture, I'm drawn to several insights that I like to share with you. The first is it doesn't matter where the apostle Paul is when he's offering these encouraging words. His temperament wasn't predicated upon the conference of life. Paul isn't lounging on the Mediterranean beach flying a kite. He's speaking from a prison cell, confined and shackled to a prison guard. But regardless of his outward situation, you see, he's at peace with himself. Paul acknowledges his fellow workers on the mission field, his true companions who have labored day and night tirelessly for the cause of Christ. Now please understand that the Christian church was under severe hardship and strict uh, strict command by the ruling government not to speak about this guy named Jesus. You see, that would not deter Paul from, from, from seeking to win souls for Christ. You see, Paul's desire to see everyone's name written in the book of life, that was his desire, and that really should be our desire. He lived out his Christian experience knowing that if anyone rejected Jesus and did not repent of their sins, their name would not be written in the Lamb's book of life. Scripture tells us that anyone not found written in the book of life, was cast into the lake of fire. Now, it's it's a heavy thing to contemplate. I realize that. But understand this, I didn't write it. Paul believed and lived out the Bible every day of his life. He believed what God's word said. When Jesus says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall never, ever, die, ever perish, but have everlasting life. And I liked it, like 316, I like 17, what it says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but that, but that through him that all might be saved. That's amazing to me. You see, Paul lived this mindset that everyone he came in contact with, Jesus loved. Everyone that he come in contact with no matter who it was he knew that Jesus loved them now as we minister in the hood in the neighborhood on certain blocks it reeks of urine in fact almost every sunday i parked my car on the side street as we go in as i go in to preach the word every sunday and as I walk to the, to the building with my wife and my daughter who are here with me this, e- this evening, the smell of urine, urine is so strong that sometimes I, I don't even say to them, do you smell that now? And, and now they know what I don't talk to them about. But I, I don't even say anything. I just keep it moving. The urine is so s- strong that when you smell it. The first person... I always think about is the Apostle Paul when I smell that. Because regardless of the hardship or heartbreak that he encountered during his life, it never mattered. Shipwrecked multiple times. Stoned and left for dead. Beaten beyond human recognition at times. Left for dead. Run out of towns constantly simply for sharing the love of Christ with people. He strived to see everyone's name written in the land's book of life. There's a pastor, a large church started out in a hood. Um, small church became large, and he was doing a, a service one, one Sunday. It was an Easter service. He had four services. Coming down to the last service, he was tired. And this man came up to him, walked up, and he was disheveled looking, and his clothes were just completely raggedy, and he smelled like urine. And the pastor really didn't want to deal with it. He, he wanted to kind of end the service and be done with it. He did an altar call, and, and this was after the altar call. This man came up. And the truth of the matter is the pastor said, what can I, how can I help you? And he said, I want to be saved. And guess what? He led him to the Lord. Today, the guy who smelled like feces and a homeless person is a pastor of a church. That's powerful. And so in verse 4, Paul encourages other Christians. He says this, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, he says, I will say rejoice. Now, at this particular time, in the church, there was a little situation that came up within the body of believers that needed to be dealt with. There appeared to be some sort of a beef between some folks. Unfortunately, uh, unfortunately that can happen. I don't know whether you have it up in here, but sometimes we can get we can get ourselves into beefs at church. That's just the way it is. But look at the response of what Paul, he, he makes. He says, he simply says this one word, rejoice. What a wonderful thing to put into practice as a Christian, rejoice. So much to be grateful for, rejoice. You see, as a believer, there's no greater tool to use against the devil and his scheming ways than to rejoice while living out your faith for Jesus. You guys with me on that? All right, all right. Because listen what happens. 1 Peter 5.8 says it, unbelievable, unbelievable. Be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil. Can I use the devil in this church? Okay, the devil, because sometimes churches don't even want to mention devil, you know. He says, let me give it to you again. Be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. You see, there's one thing our adversary can't touch. As a solid Christian who's not only a hearer of the word, but a doer of the word. You see, that's the life that will cause you to rejoice. I love Spurgeon, an old-time pastor back in the 1800s. Just follow with me what he says on this verse. Very interesting. He says, I am glad that we do not know what the quarrel was about. He's talking about the beef that people had, and Paul's talking about it. I'm glad we didn't know what the quarrel was about. I am usually thankful for ignorance on such subjects, but as a cure for disagreements, the apostle says, rejoice in the Lord always. People are, people, he says, people who are very happy, especially those who are very happy in the Lord are not apt either to give an offense or to take offense. Their minds are so sweetly occupied with higher things. I like that that they are not easily distracted by the little troubles which naturally arise amongst such imperfect creatures as we are. He, He says this, joy in the Lord is the cure for all discord. I like that. Joy in the Lord is the cure for all discord. And he goes on to say, he says, let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Powerful statement. Now sometimes, I'm going to say this to you, I fail at being gentle with the person when they're outside of the rock, leaned up against, the, leaned up against a, a car, and the mirror is tilt, and they got a needle, and they're injected in, in their vein to get high on heroin, and then we got nine, ten-year-olds coming into the rock ministry. I lose my patience there sometimes. I haven't arrived yet. So pray for me. Sometimes I find myself not so gentle, but then I'm reminded of what's, what's coming. As Paul tells us, the Lord is at hand where he's gonna make everything right. You see, there's no other way to live your life, folks, than to believe that at any given moment of our life, Jesus can return. As I labor in the, you know, for the Lord in Kensington, I'm, I'm, I've seen every negative thing that you could possibly imagine with my eyes while serving there. Things that would be too graphic for me to speak about. But despite the heartache and the ongoing struggle and the poverty and the homelessness and the prostitution and the shootings, I remain hopeful. That the Lord's work will prevail. I say that with confidence and assurance that but through the power of prayer, God's work will stand the test of time. Paul knows that. He says it so brilliantly. Be anxious for nothing. Look at what Paul is telling us this evening through through God's word. Be anxious for nothing. He's saying, Don't be worried. Don't be fearful or troubled, bothered, disturbed, or agitated by your circumstances that you're in. Work through them. Pray through them. Deal with them in a way that only God will get the glory, and then you'll get the victory. You see, we're not to give into the problem by throwing in the towel. We're to pray ourselves out of the problem. He says, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be known to God. Powerful, powerful verse. Now this is, a, like I said, a powerful statement that comes directly from God to Paul to us here this evening. Folks, let me just say this to you. Our first line of defense in any battle as a Christian should be prayer. You with me? James says it best, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. I love this anonymous quote on prayer. It says, if you only pray when you're in trouble, you're in trouble. (laughs) You see, the best model that we have, folks, when it comes to prayer is Jesus. Before every decision he ever made in his life, three years of ministry, he prayed. I heard it said best that you'll know the size of your church by the size of your prayer meeting. Pastor Chuck, who founded the Calvary Chapel Movement many, many, many years ago, would always say that when you're looking for a leader, check the prayer room. I do that now in the ministry that God has endeared me with. I check the prayer room. I wait for people to come into that prayer room because I want to see who's on their knees. I want somebody locking arms with me in prayer. It's powerful. It's a powerful tool. We just opened up a home for young men between the ages of 18 and 25. We have 14 beds for young men desiring to be discipled in the Word of God as well as to be trained up in the Word of God, to be trained up with the trade. I say this for, for this reason. I was born and raised in Kensington, ran the streets of Kensington. At the age of, many of you may know it, at the age of, of 26, um, I was facing life in prison. Ultimately, I was remanded to the house. I was indicted on RICO charges, racketeer, to influence, corrupt organization. I was, invi- I, was, I was remanded to the house before trial for 28 months. Couldn't go out. And when I had hair, I had to had, get a haircut. I had to get a court order, believe it or not, to get a haircut. They didn't want to give me bail because they felt as though that that if you look online, you can see it, that I was one of 18 guys. But out of the 18, there was three of us. And I was considered one of the most dangerous as a young kid. And they felt as though that if they gave me bail, if they let me out on the street, then I would harm somebody. Well, little little did they know that. That drove me to Jesus 10 years later after I went to prison for eight years, did five, came home, and then was introduced to Jesus Christ in my life. I say that for this reason. We opened up a house for young men. I'm more excited about this opportunity to raise up young men because I know when I was young, if I had that, if I had men speaking truth into my life, if I had men that would give me you know, that would speak to me how to be a father, how to be a, how to be a son, how to be a worker. If I had men in that, at that time steering me and, and showing me the truth of the word of God, I probably would have never wound up where I wound up. Now, I'm not going to trade anything because it drove me to Christ. But we have a house now. It's called Nehemiah House. Two properties were given to us. It was caught on fire. We had no insurance. Today, I'll make a long story short it is a beautiful, unbelievable trophy for Jesus Christ. It's two properties, two homes that are just side by side that when you walk in, you think, well, where, where are we at? Chaz Ford? What's up? Is this Chaz Ford? Okay. <laughs> So anytime you want to come down and visit us, we would love. In fact, I brought a couple of the kids with us. Where are you? Ray, stand up here, brother. Stand up. Where's the other ones at? Where's the other ones at? Oh, there they go. My man. Yeah, look at that. Look at that. Look at that. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Now, let me tell you something. Yeah, yeah, that's it. These guys can be right on the block tonight. These guys can be on the block tonight making $1,000 a night. But you know what they're doing? They're in a house learning about Jesus Christ. That's powerful. And so some of them ask me, you know, where is this all coming from? How are we going to feed it? How does this all happen? I don't know, to tell you the truth, but God does. But I love George Mueller. Who, who knows about George Muel- Mueller here? Nice. Isn't he amazing? He's my man. I mean, Jesus is my man, but this guy, this guy, 50,000 times he petitioned God, and 50,000 times he was answered. But you see, he want the man first, and man promised him all this, ba ba, ba and never and never did anything on it. But when he goes to God, God provided. So one time, they built a house, they got the orphanage, and it's working, and they have a bunch of kids. They ran out of food. He grabs the kids together. Now, we haven't had to do this yet, but maybe we will one day. We grab, he, they ran out of food. And all of a sudden, he says, kids, we got to pray. And they're holding hands around the table. And he's praying. He's wailing. A knock on the door. He had no food. Excuse me, we just broke down. A 200-gallons of milk is going to go bad. Can you use that? Can we use it? Come on in. About an hour later, we had a couple hundred loaves of bread we overbaked. Can you use them? That's amazing. You see, that's the power of prayer. Power of prayer. He says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. Powerful. Folks, there's no greater life than the one that's lived out for Jesus Christ. There's no genuine peace without Christ. His peace is not for sale. His peace can't be earned. The peace of the Lord can only be obtained through having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I, about a year ago, there was a, that clip, the, it was an HBO clip, and it's, it's about seven minutes long, and uh, we didn't ask for it, and by the way, we never asked for publicity at The Rock, never, and they features us a couple times nationally, we never asked. So, I got a call, we got an email one, one, um, one evening, and Craig, uh, assistant pastor, he says, Bud, you sitting down? What's up? He says, MGN, uh, uh, some producer in Hollywood called, he, he emailed us, and, and he wants to know, he wants to talk to you about doing a, uh, your life story. I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? So all of a sudden, I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I go to my wife and my daughter who are here now and say, somebody... All of a sudden, i thinking, oh, I, gotta move. I got to move. We got to move now. Everybody's going, I'm going to be this famous guy, right? <laughs> I'm going to have all this money. I don't, want it. I, don't want it to, I don't want any of that. But, man, but, Lord, Lord, are you in this? Like, call Joe Foch, my pastor. and We have several conversations. Now, the director and the producer, they have, they, they both, or, or the one guy, he was both, he won Academy Awards. He did all the Rocky movies. He did uh, Goodfellas. He did a bunch of movies. And he's in his 80s, and he's a very powerful guy in Hollywood, apparently. And so I finally I I talk to him on the phone. I'm like, okay, what's up? What, you what do you What do What do you want to do with my? He says, well, we find your story interesting. We saw HBO. We know you were in Creed One, and um, you know. So I'm thinking, hmm. He's really hitting me with all this all this stuff, right? You know, you got to watch out when somebody flatters you, right? So, so he. He goes on, and he basically says, OK, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll put a, um, let me put a contract together. I'll get it out to you. I said, OK. I go back, I tell my wife, I report back to Joe, I talk to the elders, I even talk to the church. I want everybody involved in this. And so one month's go by, nothing, two, three, four, nothing. I said, OK, well, I guess it's not happening. All of a sudden, the fifth month, he gives me a contract 13 pages long. Said, Hi. It, was, it was a lot, front and back, unbelievable. I had to hire, retain a, a lawyer from California who has, done, who has worked on many movies. I'm like, this is crazy. I can't believe this. And so anyway, so out of 13 pages, we get it to three bullet points. Then we get it down to two bullet points. It's happening. I'm thinking, man. I told him, I said, Mr. Winkler, we don't want any money. I don't want any money from this. This, this movie's made. It all goes to the rock ministry. I don't want anything. So I made it clear to the church. It wasn't nothing. I wanted. I don't want fame, but if I'm going to be able to use it as bait to bring people to get their name in the land smoke of life, you, I'm, in, I'm in on that. You know what I'm saying? So, so, so now all of a sudden, I got my lawyer, and they got their lawyer, who happens to be the most powerful lawyer in Hollywood. Unbelievable. So my lawyer is going back and forth, who's a Christian. We're talking back and forth, boom, and this is the money they want to give you. I said, whoa. And this is what they want to do. Whoa! But here's the condition, I wanted to have Jesus in there. Somehow, if it was just me kneeling at the cross with my hands up, or if it was a verse that I, that I would say, I just wanted them to know that, that I'm not a good person, that this, that, that this movie has to reflect who Jesus Christ is. I don't care about fame and fortune, I just want them to know that 23 years ago I gave my life to Christ and I've never turned back. Guess what happened? They didn't want to do it. They said the movie would cost $45 million to make, and they were concerned that the, the banker, if we put Christianity in there, it wouldn't work. Guess what? Me, my wife, and my daughter are sitting in my kitchen, and we have a conference call with this big shot. And we prayed, we prayed, oh, in the kitchen, Lord, help. Please, Lord. I better keep my eyes open because I don't want to fall in that pool there. <laughs> but, well, so you know what I'm saying? So all of a sudden, all of a sudden, the phone rings 5:15. It's Mr. Winkler. Yes, he says. Hey, what are you about? Th- listen, we can make it. Talk to your lawyer. He can maybe. Hey, he can maybe. We can work something out. Uh, you know, with, with religion. I said, Mr. Winkler, I appreciate your your call. and and I'm humbled and I'm honored that that you want to do a movie about my life. But if you can't have Christ in there, I can't be a part of it. That was it. I said that, hung the phone up, and we rejoiced, my wife and my daughter. We were just to the point with tears. And I can tell you this. I can tell you this. God has blessed that decision amazingly, amazingly. We don't need Hollywood's money. Jesus provides everything for us, man. And so he goes on to say finally, as I close with two more verses, brethren. I want you to just think about this verse here because this is a powerful verse. I was talking to my wife this morning. You see, Christianity is a, j- a journey. Please understand that. By the way, you're not perfect and you're never going to be perfect, ever, this side of heaven. But there's a mindset that we have to live with. When we have Christ and, we have, and we're empowered by the Holy Spirit, he gives us a scripture to lean on, to guide us, to direct us, and to encourage us. He says, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, man, Whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. If you look at each of those attributes, that's the mindset mindset that we should be thinking daily. God cleans our polluted mind up all the time when we ask Him. You see, the very second a person gives their life to the Lord, and maybe I'm just speaking to the one person here this evening or two, maybe, I don't know. The very second a person gives their life to the Lord, their name enters into the book of life and the Holy Spirit comes upon that person. The Bible says that no one, no one can come to the Father except through the Son. No one. No one can enter heaven. That's powerful. There's no other way to get your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life than being born again. The Bible says you must be born again. You must be born again. I close with this verse. The things which you've learned and received, and he's speaking to us this, this evening, and heard in Saul and me, in, in Paul, these do... The God of peace will be with you. So Paul sums it up beautifully. I've been a Christian a long time, 23 years. I don't know, maybe not not as long as Bob, or maybe a lot of you guys here. I've seen many decisions for Christ, and I've did and I've done many funerals of the people that made those decisions for Christ because they gave lip service. You see, you can do two things. You can, you can give your life to Christ with your lips, and that's exactly what you're going to, you're, you're, going, you're going to have a life that's, that's, that's double-minded. Or you can give your life to Christ with your heart. All of your heart. God is the only one who can cleanse our heart. He's the only one that can forgive us of every sin we've ever committed. And we, when we come to him, in truth and honesty and we say forgive me for the sins that I've that I've done be my savior amazing things take place in your life you have to believe that now I don't know where you stand here uh, you know this evening you know and I don't want to call anybody out of their seat but if you're here this evening and you're on the fence and you don't have Jesus in your life You need to make that decision this evening. You need to say, Lord, I need you. Be my savior, be my Lord, be my God, come into my life. Give me another shot at life, Lord. He'll never reject you. If you're here this evening and you backslid, you put Jesus on the shelf and you said, you know what? I'm gonna go out and do my silly rabbit stuff and you put them on a shelf, and you're walking in your flesh, tonight's the night to get it right. Get it right, man. You see, Jesus hung on a cross, beaten beyond human recognition, naked and stripped, beaten so bad that you couldn't recognize them. And what did he say? Forgive them, for they know not what they do. If he can stand on a cross and, and, and be and publicly be placed on the cross, you can stand for him this evening. And so if the Lord is calling you, that one person here, and you want to get saved, truly saved, I would love to pray with you. I would love to pray with you. If you're here this evening and you, you, you've never been baptized and you want to get baptized, you too come up. Okay? Okay? I'm done. That's it. So listen. If you're here this evening and you want to respond to a call for Christ to, to come into your life or to be rededicated, would you raise your hand? Anybody? Anybody? We have one. Yes, brother. Nice. Okay. Can I bring him up? Up, you mind? Absolutely. Come on up. Come on up, please. Two. Let's get rid of oh, this. I just wanted one. We got two. Is it? Anybody else? Now listen, you know, what's holding you back? What's holding you back? Please. You might be 60 years old, like my age, and you may have never made that true confession with your heart. Come on up. We want to pray with you.
2: Buddy, let's see what's going on with these gentlemen. What up, guys. So you raised your hand. What's God doing in your heart tonight?
1: I've just been moved. Uh, Recently I've been experiencing a lot of uh, signs to get closer to God. I've been at this church for, uh, geez, almost six or seven years now. I've served um, downstairs with special needs kids. I've served with the security team here. Uh, It's an amazing church. And I was baptized a Catholic uh, at a young age, but I'm ready to commit myself to Jesus Christ.
2: Praise God. And your name? Michael. Michael. Come on up. What's God doing in your heart?
3: Uh, Well, right now my dad's in jail, but um, he's a minister, and I kind of have been putting off what he's been telling me all my life, so uh, I gotta get right.
2: You ever accepted Christ in your heart before?
3: Uh, Yes, but I've I've been off and on, sort of.
2: Buddy, why don't you pray with these guys, kind of a rededication, then I'll baptize them. All right?
1: Amen. Come on. Now listen. If you're out there and you're too shy to come up here and stand with us, you can say this quietly in your heart too, okay? All right? So just repeat it to me. Father God,
3: Father God,
1: I want to rededicate my life. I want
3: to rededicate my life.
1: I want to take you off the wall. I want to take you
3: off the wall.
1: And place you in my heart. Place you tonight, you in my heart. Tonight, tonight is a new day. A new, day. new chapter. New chapter. Be, my Be my Lord. Be my savior. Be my, savior. Be my, God. Be my God. In Jesus name I pray. Name I pray. Amen. Amen, amen. Okay.
2: Amen. A great bold step tonight. Awesome. God, I just thank you for my brother. Lord, I thank you for his response to stand in front of all these people and say that he wants to be close to you. Mm -hmm. Lord, I pray that he would always remember this night, this significant spiritual moment where on this lawn he dedicated himself to Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Lord, upon his profession of faith, Mm -hmm. baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.
1: amen.
2: Can I have a towel, Lori? Are you ready? Oh, man, that's yeah. good.
1: Thank you. Great. Good job. You oh, I just need glasses. Okay. Nehemiah, guys, you guys good? You want to get dunked? Come on. <laughs> this is the time. If you want to come, come on. Father, I thank
2: you for my brother, Lord. I thank you for his courage. Lord, uh, he spoke in front of us all, Lord. Would you answer that prayer? Would you get close to him? Lord, just invade his life, Lord. When he reads the scripture, may it come alive. Lord, we need men like this. We need men like Buddy. We need men who will rise up in their generation. Upon Upon my brother's profession of faith, I baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.
1: Yes. Anybody else? Come on. Oh, beautiful. Oh, amen. There you go. Beautiful. Beautiful.
2: Come on down. You look like you're dressed for a baptism. Yes. There you go. Oh, that's beautiful. (laughs) Actually, in Israel, they try and put something like this on you, but uh, I rebel. I don't like it. So, (laughs) still a rebel. Uh, your name? Ella. Okay, look out at everybody, because this is really a public we'll declaration. Isn't that cool? We'll keep in touch. That you're going to follow Christ. But Ella, you have a little bit of a backstory. Raised kind of in a Christian home, but nominal, like a lot of us, like maybe Catholic, but yours was Russian Orthodox, right?
3: Russian Baptist.
2: Russian Baptist. So, so, but you got to a really bad place in our, you were sharing with me uh, earlier. Tell, tell them about it.
3: Yeah, so, um, About, I think when I was 17, I remember I had, on my birthday, the worst experience of my life. It was basically, I felt a pit in my soul and I just, I couldn't, I just, I don't know why at that exact moment I was about to stop living. But I knew that life was precious because it's been beaten into me, you know, from my parents, like, life is precious and I understand that. And since basically I was 17, I've been struggling with anxiety and depression and thoughts of suicide, but I never, like, committed to it because... You know, I grew up in a Christian family, so I thank God for that, but, and it just got worse, progressively worse. There were points in the day when I could not breathe, I couldn't stand, I couldn't, it was a struggle to do anything really. And then one day it just hit me like, I need help. I can't, I can't do this alone. I went to a person and then I started finally going to church. I came to this church and I heard Bob's word. And ever since then, every time I hear it, especially words of hope, I just feel tears. and the Tears are gonna come soon. Don't you worry. Um, So just hearing that word of hope and everything, I really, I repented back in November and it was like I repented before, but I never felt that I was truly accepting him as my savior until this past November. And it was such a beautiful experience. And I'm finally wanna say that I want to accept him as my savior and live a life with hope and just let people know that there is a way, there's hope out there. You don't have to struggle. You don't have to be alone. There's other people out there just like you who have struggled, so just keep hope and trust in the Lord because he'll lead you there. Even if he has to drag you down to the worst place you've ever had in your life, drag you through the dirt a couple of miles, fine. Um, looking back on it, I wouldn't have had it any other way. I'm so happy that he had to do that to get me to this place because otherwise I probably wouldn't be here.
2: Ella, I don't think you realize how many people you encourage tonight, especially me with that story because... There's so much time where we do what we do and we forget God's doing what he does. He never leaves us or forsakes us. So whether it's Buddy Osborne or me or anybody on this lawn or Ella, it's the same God. He is so good. Ella, upon your profession of faith, I have the privilege of baptizing you as a brand new creation. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. buddy, you got any guys down there or?
1: What's up, guys? You want to get baptized? Anybody in Nehemiah want to get baptized? Okay.
2: Keep working on
1: them. I'll keep working on them. Hello. God bless you. You sure? Let me help you down.
2: Another dress. <laughs> Is it waterproof? <laughs> uh-oh uh-oh so your name come on over here let me uh get lower your name
3: My name's elaine
2: okay elaine tell us what's going on
3: everything <laughs> <laughs> no seriously it's just time you know excellent like, i've been fighting a war with myself and
2: So glad you're here. I really am. Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior.
3: Oh my gosh,
2: yes. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah, I just
1: done some things in life, and He just He was just there for me.
2: Well, I'm going to pray that you have a brand new kick in your spirit, and I'm going to pray this water washes over your memory and you give yourself a break. How about that? Huh? Because God loves you. He really does. Father, I thank you for my sister. Lord, she needed tonight. She needed this boldness, this courage. In front of all these people, Lord, to remind us that, Lord, whether we go into the heavens or into the depths, you're there. That there's nothing going to separate us from the love of Christ. Mm Amen. Upon her profession of faith, I baptize her in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. So we got two wonderful gentlemen coming up. Uh, Very impressed with these guys. Come on in, guys. And Pastor Dave is our children's pastor. Uh, we'll start with you. Uh, tell everybody your name. Shane. Shane. Shane, do you go to Innovate? Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, you and I talked earlier, and this has been like a year process, but you're ready to receive Christ and be baptized. Uh, I know it's hard and you're nervous. Give us a quick answer. I um, just feel like I need to be
3: baptized.
2: How's this? He's tearing up in here. Is this amazing? Listen, so I was 21, and I cried. I cried like a baby at 21 like you are now, and a little old woman told me that was the work of the Holy Spirit. Right, Dave? You want to baptize him?
0: So, Shane, have you accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior? It is my great pleasure to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
2: Innovate is our Christian school, so the beautiful thing about a Christian school is we see these kids every day. It's it's wonderful. And your name? Riley. Riley, and I've talked to you, and you have the same experience, but anything you want to share?
3: No.
2: (laughs) I want you to look out at that crowd, and when you grow up and become a teenager, I want you to remember that in front of this crowd and on that big screen, look back there. That you made a covenant with God. You know what that is? Yeah, a deal. You made a deal with God that you're going to serve Him all your life. All right? Okay.
0: So, Riley, have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Yes. And it's my great privilege to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
2: we have a few more minutes it's a beautiful night anybody else feeling god doing something in their lives anybody else we don't want to leave anybody out if god's speaking to you like you've seen we're just going to rejoice we love to hear these stories what a night god has given us anyone else anybody else buddy any of your guys <laughs> all right where's 12 brenda where are you brenda where are you you have one more song you know one we know <laughs> giving you the microphone that is a bad thing
3: do you know the doxology
2: i'll sing some of it Guys, let's all stand. What a great night. <clears throat> no sizzling summer next week. No aftermath tonight. We'll pick up with that back in the, the new year. Buddy will be right down here. Buddy, you can hang out with folks. Uh, we'll see you after the 4th of July. We've got a great back of the summer. Father, we thank you for this night. We leave here with praise on our heart. We thank you that you turned Buddy's life from a life of crime to saving kids. Lord, we thank you for these people tonight in the pool. We thank you for what you're doing in our country and the world. God, would you continue to move? Oh, wait a second. In Jesus' name, amen. Whoa. Whoa. So, your name? Uh, Kayshawn. Sean, how old are you? I'm 20. You're 20. How long have you been at The Rock? Since I was 10. Yeah, and I'll bet you I was there before that. You were probably in diapers when I was down looking. When Buddy had no heat and a hole in the ceiling, and he's telling me all these things are going to happen. I'm like, you got to be kidding. And it all happened. So, are you a boxer? No. Okay. <laughs> College football. Where? Bloomsbury. Nice, nice. So, what made you get out of those bleachers and come down? Uh, you ass if God was working our lives. Yeah. Nice. Tell me how he has been. Uh, changed into another person, uh, a better person. Uh, more structure something I can carry for the rest of my life. This is your fruit. Uh, you're going in. All right. I'll go in too. All right. Yeah, go ahead. you're taking a picture, I can't even believe you have an iPhone. (laughs) Do you want to tell him that I have to make you a new Bitmoji? I made Buddy a Bitmoji. But now he's got, now he looks like Santa Claus, so I got to. Take it here, professional over here. Yeah, Father, I just thank you for my brother's life. Uh, Thank you for this young man's courage, Lord, as he looks out at all these people, Lord. Think about the Ethiopian eunuch who got out of a caravan in front of people from Ethiopia to accept Jesus Christ. Upon my brother's profession of faith, I baptize him in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. great night guys let's sing this final song please be safe driving home it's great having you this first half we'll see you the back half of sizzling summer